This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The glowing red sun and hazy skies come with a serious warning tonight. Wildfires burning around our province pushed the air quality index beyond 10 today, the highest risk category. Tanya Beja has more on the concern and how people are managing. Tanya. Chris, you can see and almost taste the smoke. And while that's unpleasant for most, it's potentially dangerous for some. Downtown Vancouver, nearly unrecognizable, shrouded in a layer of smoke and haze that's blanketing much of the province. I really feel the just my throat and my lungs are feeling kind of scratchy. Well, I'm not too happy about it, but there's nothing I can do about it. Avoiding the outdoors is one option. Empty patios, an uncommon sight in August. Traditionally, the patio is the very first thing to fill up. And uh, on a case in point, a day like today, the vast majority of my customers are sitting inside today. But even with the region's air quality reaching its worst level, not everyone can move indoors. Don't want to get heat exhaustion, so we drink a lot of water. I like the face mask if you really want to be cautious, but yeah, just work through it. Nearly 550 wildfires are to blame for the high concentrations of fine particulate matter now polluting BC air. Those are levels that we almost never see in Vancouver. Those are levels that we tend to see in Asia and tend to criticize or at least be concerned about, about other countries for not having better air control. The smoky skies can exacerbate chronic heart and lung conditions, with health risks considered very high across Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, the Okanagan and Whistler. Experts recommend the most vulnerable run an air filter if they can find one or take shelter. One of the ways they can do that is go to a, a large public building, a, a shopping mall, a community centre. The air is often filtered in those locations, it's cooler, so it's better air quality inside. It seems that's advice people are taking to heart. Parks and playgrounds eerily empty on a hot summer day. The smoke will linger for at least another day with relief possibly on the way by the end of the week. Chris, back to you. All right, Tanya, thank you very much. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell is in now for Christy. And Yvonne, what's, gonna, what's it going to take to clear the air here? We're looking for a shift in the winds, also a change in the weather pattern. Right now we have outflow winds that's bringing all the smoke into the interior right across the south coast. It's thinning slightly for the interior today, but it is thickening for us and remaining very thick in towards Tuesday. But there is a change on the way. With the jet stream, we'll see a shift. A westerly flow is going to push in across the south coast. It'll clear things out. And likely Thursday, Friday, it'll thin across the south coast, but increase once again for the interior. Also towards the end of the week, we could see the risk of thunderstorms. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. And we'll talk about the source of all of that poor air quality, the wildfires, of course, that are burning across our province right now. 555 wildfires are burning in B.C., 16 new ones today. And as of today, more than 606,000 hectares have been charred by fire. That's nearly halfway to last year's total of 1.2 million hectares burned. 
And while crews wait for rain, help is arriving in another form. Catherine Urquhart reports. Streets in Kimberly are nearly empty these days as the entire town remains on evacuation alert. 4,500 notices were handed out this weekend and an evacuation order is still in effect for residents of St. Mary Valley all due to the Meachin Lake fire. We've seen a drop off. A lot of folks have gone home with the advent of the alert. I think it's important to note that the fire is 25 kilometers away and although we have smoke it's no worse than the smoke was before the alert was in place and uh, for the most part the city is open for business. On Sunday BC wildfire crews carried out a planned ignition in the area. They're still working on containment at this time. Uh, they've cut in some containment lines. Uh, their ignition plan has gone off so far. Uh, they're monitoring the overall success. This is the province's biggest fire as seen from above. The 850 square kilometer Shovel Lake blaze outside Prince George impacting the communities of Fraser Lake and Fort St. James. There are now about 2,700 evacuees. Currently much of BC is in a high to extreme fire danger rating. So the next couple days, not a lot of lightning in the forecast, um, but unfortunately no precipitation either. Fortunately, more help is arriving from 21 members of Nova Scotia's wildfire team. It's a lot of mountainous terrain, they got a lot of steep slopes, uh, a, lot of, a lot of dangers, and uh, we just take what they give us and, and uh, work our hardest and the best we can do. The Nova Scotia firefighters will be joining 3,600 personnel already battling the BC wildfires. The cost so far? 266 million dollars. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Summer is always a busy tourism month in Metro Vancouver. Later on the news hour, how the smoky haze is impacting our local attractions and first impressions from visitors who come here. That's a little later. Right now, though, an arrest and second degree murder charges laid in a tragic and shocking case involving the death of a seven-year-old Langley girl. The mother of Aaliyah Rosa, 36-year-old Carrie Ann Lewis appeared briefly in court today. Our Grace Key was there and has more on what we're learning about this tragedy. Carrie Ann Lewis walked into a Surrey courtroom accused of killing her own daughter. Showing no emotions, she looked into the gallery at a woman who did not identify herself to media. On Friday, the 36-year-old mother was arrested and charged with second-degree murder and the death of 7-year-old Aaliyah Rosa. You know, at times like this when we do have charge approval, um, there's a sense of accomplishment, perhaps justice, but today, um, make no mistake, there are no winners. Last month, police were called to a Langley apartment at about 9.30 at night where they found Aaliyah's body. The mother at the time was put under medical care, but police would not provide any more details. Court documents show in 2016 the father had sole custody of Aaliyah and Lewis was not allowed within 500 meters of her daughter's home and school. Supervised visits were granted in February 2017, followed by unsupervised visits this past May. A service was held earlier this month and many wore pink and purple, her favorite colors. Aaliyah's Sparks leader remembered her as a bright young girl. Our favorite memory as a group was when we were cookie selling and Girl Guide cookies are $5 a box. But Aaliyah would walk up to the door and say, two boxes for $10 and she sold two boxes every time. <laughs> she was beautiful, lively, so much fun. In court, Lewis was ordered not to contact several people, including members of the Rosa family. She remains in custody. Her next court appearance will be on August 28th. Grace Key, Global News. 
The integrated homicide investigation team is identifying a man who died after a fight outside a Surrey McDonald's. The violence broke out at 9 last night near 96th Avenue and 128th Street. When police arrived, they found a man collapsed on the ground. He was rushed to hospital but did not survive. The victim's been identified now as 48-year-old Lakwinder Singh Ball of Surrey. Investigators say Ball was known to police and believe his murder was not random. We're certainly working on uh, determining what the contents of that verbal dispute was. So if anybody was in that area, maybe you were a patron of McDonald's last night and you were just in the parking lot and you had your window down and you were, you know, you were eating a meal and perhaps you heard something. Um, if you did, I urge you to please come forward and speak with Ahid. We need to know exactly what was said between all the parties involved. We need people to come forward with information. Despite a cease and desist order, it appears to be business as usual at a notorious townhouse being unlawfully operated as a hostel in North Vancouver. Word is spreading online about the predicament, but so far it hasn't stopped the flow of guests. Ted Chernecki explains what may be the only way to put the owner out of business. The owner of the Oasis Airbnb slash hostel wasn't home or wasn't answering the door today, but it appeared as though not a lot had changed since she was first served with a cease and desist order from the City of North Vancouver and the Civil Resolution Tribunal, which she is appealing. I'm getting to the point where it's very frustrated. We've had to spend a lot of money on trying to take this to court, and uh, it is to me, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe anymore. And there's been a fair bit of chatter on social media from people who booked the Oasis Airbnb months ago to attend Dota, or Defense of the Ancients, a video game competition now underway at Rogers Arena. In a chat thread, guests from Chicago said they're paying $655 U.S. for six days. The discussion centers around whether one should stay there, now realizing it may be an illegal operation. City Hall told her to cease and desist. Then... That's when she should have notified those individuals. Yeah. Now it's a question of enforcing an existing ruling. One option could be to seek the court's permission to sell the Airbnb unit from under the owner. Well, there's only really one open to us, and that's to go back to court. It's all being fired to the court. It's happened before, four years ago, where the courts gave a strata council in Port Coquitlam the right to sell an owner's unit to recover $175,000 in legal fees. The, if the individual doesn't comply, they'll be found in contempt of court. And if they're in contempt of court, then, of course, the um, authorities then get involved with the respects to the enforcement. And the strata corporation, ultimately, to enforce the, the bylaw and to be able to recover their costs, may, in fact, be making an application to the courts at some point for an, a mandatory order of the sale of the unit so their costs can be recovered. Or she could simply comply, and that would end it. Ted Chernacki, Global News. It's been an eyesore in the neighborhood for months, and now it's on the market for almost $4 million. The Kitsilano house was destroyed by fire back in December, and the rubble is still there. Aaron MacArthur has more on who will be on the hook to clear it all away. All of this can be yours for just under $4 million. This west side pile of rubble has looked like this for months now, and no one seems to be taking responsibility to clean it up. No one's happy about seeing it like this. I mean, even if the lot was vacant, it'd be easier to sell than this. It's, it's unappealing. The old home burned to the ground just before Christmas 2017. 
the fire severely damaging neighboring properties as well. The owner, according to city violation notices, is a numbered company with an address either on Fraser Street or somewhere in Pitt Meadows. The city of Vancouver finally appears to be taking action to clean it up, at minimum charging $50,000. month or so, talked to the city of Vancouver fire department. They sent an inspector by who said it was well long overdue. It's sort of a fallen through the cracks thing. Never should have been left this long. He said this is actually pretty much a, a fire waiting to happen. We spoke with the realtor who says he's now working for a bank. This is now a court-ordered sale. And at $3.9 million, so far, there haven't been any offers. The property taxes alone on this lot are more than $10,000. Any cost of the demolition likely to come out of the sale of the bare land if there is any market for the 50 by 120 foot piece of property. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Calls for a public inquiry into money laundering in B.C. casinos are getting louder with critics saying the commissioned report on the problem might be compromised. Global News has learned the author, Peter German, serves on the same board as a great Canadian casino executive and yet never included that person in the report. As John Waugh explains, many believe that was a big mistake. When Peter German began looking into how BC casinos were unwittingly turned into laundromats for dirty money, gaming operators were quick to say anything you need. And I have to say the casino industry itself reached out to me even before I reached out to them. But someone else reached out to the author of BC's report on money laundering, Walter Sue, a great Canadian executive who sat alongside Peter German on the Richmond Olympic Oval's board of directors since 2016. As soon as I was appointed, uh, he uh, made it very clear that we should, uh, you know, not, uh, he didn't want to confuse the, the two issues, and so I didn't. In fact, German did not interview Sue at all. I know Walter Sue, but I did not interview him for the report. Again, I, I wasn't looking for, it wasn't a fault-finding exercise. Sue has been with Great Canadian from the beginning, working his way up from a dealer to now executive vice president of player and gaming development. The whole report is compromised. Proka Avramovich, a former Great Canadian security manager who asked his identity be concealed for his safety, worked with Sue for years. How we can trust German purposely didn't leave Walter Sue and a whole bunch of other names, you know, out of that report. Avramovich calling Sue the Chinese arm of Great Canadian. I confidently could say that he is the person that orchestrates most of that action in the Great Canadian. Sue's job is to land high rollers from overseas markets and keep them happy in the River Rock Casino VIP program he built. That program was found by investigators to be full of facilitators. In 2014, Sue even tweeted, the VIP may not always be right. But they are never wrong. Walter Sue is the architect of the VIP. It puts him right at the center of the issue around money laundering and improper transactions. To date, there has been no allegation that Sue himself has been involved in any unlawful activities or transactions. Great Canadian refused our request to speak directly with Walter Sue and anyone else for that matter, but stated Great Canadian provided Dr. German full access to all information and the opportunity to interview any great Canadian employee. Any communication between any officer or director of great Canadian gaming with Peter German, who is conducting an inquiry, should be on the record. 
was this mentioned to the Attorney General at all, that there might be a conflict or that you specifically did I'm not, not interview? I'm not aware of any conflict. Attorney General David Eby was unavailable for comment. Garasino calls it a conflict of interest and why an out-of-province investigator should be used in the future. This isn't right, and Peter German should have known right away. And if he didn't, he wasn't competent to do the job he was assigned. Once again, renewing calls for a public inquiry by those wanting a clearer picture of what happened in BC's casinos. John Hua, Global News. Trying to find good help is difficult, and one Port Coquitlam woman found that out the hard way when she needed some window screens installed. And it took Consumer Matters reporter Andrea to help get the job done. What are the details here, Anne? Well, uh, it's just so important to do your homework here, mm-hmm. Chris. Thanks so much. Turns out the company this customer hired took her money and then disappeared. After she grew tired of chasing the owner down, she called Consumer Matters in for help. The reason why we wanted to replace it is there was a big hole in it. When Sarah Hamill needed new window screens for her condo, she reached out to social media for recommendations and decided to go with the company Fraser Valley Screens. Nice guy, came in, measured everything up. We needed uh, four screens and a screen door. He was in and out in 10 minutes. He goes by the name of John. John required a 50% deposit, but Sarah decided to pay the full amount. Gave him the whole amount, it was only $300. Gave him the check, he cashed it. Quick to cash the check, but completing the work, a different matter altogether. He was supposed to come a few days later, um, but we had to cancel due to work. We rebooked him a few days later, and then that's when he didn't show up. Um, I messaged him 10 minutes before the cutoff time. Uh, He said he couldn't come, so we rebooked the next day. Again, next day he didn't show up. Third day, no show, um, and that's when I asked for my money back. Exhausted and frustrated, Sarah says she was getting the runaround. So he said he would drop off cash um, within the next few days, never showed up, said there was a check in the mail, um, check never came, and then at that point, that's when I contacted you. A quick search of Fraser Valley screens turned up several bad reviews similar to Sarah's experience. It was also discovered the same phone number associated with Fraser Valley screens matched the phone number connected to Strata screens, which has a failing grade from the Better Business Bureau, along with several complaints about the company. We then drove to Fraser Valley Screens using the address listed on Sarah's invoice on Wheel Avenue in Abbotsford. The address did not exist and there was no sign of the company in the area. John, the owner of Fraser Valley Screens, eventually answered our call, promising to give Sarah her money back. I gotta ask John, why did it take you so long? Why does it take Consumer Matters calling you to finally get some action here? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. You don't know? Days later, Sarah got her refund. Just thank you very much for for stepping in. Sarah says it's a lesson learned and has this advice for consumers. Just be careful. Do your homework. Um, Read reviews for sure. I didn't read reviews. I just went off of what people had said in the community um, on the Facebook group. And obviously that wasn't enough. And it's also a good idea to verify licenses, never pay in full up front, and keep a contract. One more note to this story. We also reached out to John from Fraser Valley Screens to ask him about Strata Screens and why his phone number is attached to the company. Well, he never responded to that question. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. Well done once again. Thank you, Anne. 
Panicked residents on the Indonesian island of Lombok flee yet another earthquake. The magnitude 6.3 quake struck Sunday, leaving roads cracked and many buildings damaged. At least a dozen people have been confirmed dead. The island is still reeling from a tremor earlier this month that killed 460 people, and that fear has forced many to set up camp in open fields. Nearly one week after a Pennsylvania grand jury report exposed shocking sexual assault allegations involving 300 predator priests, the Pope has finally broken his silence. The pontiff released a letter to Catholics admitting, We showed no care for the little ones. We abandoned them. Pope Francis is promising greater accountability, but some say words are not enough. The abuse in Pennsylvania took place over seven decades and involved over a thousand children. One of the most prominent voices behind the Me Too movement is now facing allegations of her own. According to a New York Times report, Asia Argento paid off her own accuser, with many pointing out the hypocrisy of this new development. Tonight, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department says it is considering opening a criminal investigation into Italian actress Asia Argento, Anthony Bourdain's former girlfriend, following a new report in the New York Times. According to the paper, actor Jimmy Bennett accused Argento of sexually assaulting him in a California hotel in 2013, when he was just 17. The actress posting on Instagram later that day, happiest day of my life, reunion with Jimmy Bennett. Bennett, who played Argento's on-screen son as a seven-year-old, threatened to sue after the actress publicly accused Harvey Weinstein of raping her. Soon after, Argento allegedly paid Bennett nearly $400,000. He felt like that was hypocritical, so he reached out and asked her to pay him a big sum of money in order to um, uh, stay quiet about all this. The New York Times says it received encrypted documents, not seen or verified by NBC News, outlining what the paper describes as a legal agreement made in 2017. Months later, in May of this year, Argento delivered this headline-grabbing speech at the Cannes Film Festival. And even tonight, Sitting among you, there are those who still have to be held accountable for their conduct against women. Argento has not returned requests for comment, while Bennett's attorney says his client will respond in the coming days. Late today, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer said the news revealed a, quote, stunning level of hypocrisy. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. A remarkable cruise ship survival story to tell. A British woman fell off the rear deck of a cruise ship sailing from Croatia to Italy. The 46-year-old treaded water for hours in the Adriatic Sea and credits singing for helping to keep her awake and alive. Um, I fell off the back of the Norwegian Star and I was in the water for 10 hours. So these wonderful guys rescued me. Your name is? Kay. I am very lucky to be alive. It's not clear how the woman fell overboard, but thankfully, as you can see, she's doing pretty well. And some amazing video captured by NASA cameras orbiting Earth. Check this out. A flaming meteor streaks across the sky above Alabama, creating a huge flash of light. It was moving at almost 54,000 miles per hour. That's about 86,000 kilometers an hour before it exploded into fragments above a small town. And how's this for an explosive celebration? It's all part of a Mexican festival honoring a Roman Catholic saint. 
The city of Toltepec, just north of Mexico's capital, is famous for firework production, but the booming industry is not without risks. Since the beginning of July, there have been 16 accidents, with 40 dead and more than 70 people hurt. The federal government was in B.C. today promising to reunite more families, allowing them to live together here in Canada. The Minister of Immigration announcing new measures to make it easier for parents and grandparents to join their families already in Canada. 20,000 sponsorship applications will be accepted in 2019. That's four times what was accepted back in 2014 when the program was first launched. The minister says the demand on the parents and grandparents program is now higher than ever. What you're seeing in places like the greater Vancouver area, Toronto, Montreal, you're seeing a dramatic increase in the number of skilled immigrants who are coming to Canada and creating jobs. They're choosing Canada because of our diversity. They're choosing Canada because of our welcoming nature. In Health Matters tonight, Health Canada has expanded its recall of drugs used to treat high blood pressure and other cardiac problems. The medications in this expansion are all produced by Teva Canada, a generic pharmaceutical company. The drugs may contain an ingredient called Valsartan, which can cause cancer if used frequently and in high doses. If you think your medication might be included in the recall, talk to your doctor before ceasing any treatment. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Returning quickly to our top story, that smoky haze caused by the wildfires burning around our province. It's one thing to deal with it if you live here, but Linda Aylesworth explains why there are growing concerns about the impression it's leaving on the millions of tourists who come here to soak in beautiful B.C. Somewhere out there, there's a spectacular view. I don't know what it's like normally. Can you see all the way across? Not today you can't. From the cruise ship terminal at Canada Place, a hazy abyss where the North Shore Mountains used to be. Very, very muggy. Very, very, very foggy. That's not fog. Is it the smoke? I thought it was just a fog. I am so sorry for this beautiful city. Oh, get out. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's not the normal view that we have here, and obviously that's the wildfire impact. But as a practical matter here, we're still open for business. Uh, there's still plenty of great things to do in Vancouver. Grouse Mountain is open, even though it's particularly view-dependent in the summer. Yeah, I hope we can see the view from up, from up there. Well, not really, but the gondola ride is fun. In Squamish at the Sea to Sky gondola, seen here on a clear day, lack of visibility reduced the number of visitors from 4,000 to 2,000 yesterday. And up at the Cypress Mountain lookout. And the beautiful yeah. skyline of the yeah. city and to your left is North Van. The few sightseers who did make the drive up had to bring their imaginations. This view I haven't seen. Not far away in North Vancouver's Deep Cove, a popular kayaking centre is feeling the effects of the smoke. A lot of people are cancelling because they're thinking that it's going to affect their paddle um, and they want to be able to see the beauty of Deep Cove, but currently we are still doing well. Even in Victoria, the smoke obscured views. We were just on the hop-on and hop-off bus and we could hardly see some of the... Uh, places we wanted to go. And yet, we heard very little, if any, complaining today. It's not really no affecting, effects. no, not negatively, no. Not a whole lot you can do about that, right? It's, I'm, I'm sure it's beautiful when it's clear, but yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's nice. It's important that everybody be mindful of the fact that there's some people in some very, very serious situations, and whatever we're dealing with here certainly pales in comparison to that. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. we got to get them out.
Caught on video, a dramatic rescue after a truck crashes into the water at a marina. That's coming up right after Yvonne's forecast. A lot of people seem to be handling it pretty well, given some of the coverage we've seen of that haze. But, yeah, not, not going anywhere this evening, at least. Yvonne. Yeah, and the view that we're seeing, typically on this tower cam shot, we can overlook English Bay, and it's beautiful. But there is a break on the way and a bit of a relief, and I'll show you the timing in just a moment. Temperatures today, though, have been moderated with the smoke, especially for interior sections. By the water, up to 23. And away from the water, though, still climbing up to 28 and 29 degrees. And that was stretching in towards the valley. Had some tweets I wanted to show you. Thank you so much, Josie, for this one, a shot, a comparison above what Ladysmith usually looks like and below of what they've been seeing over the past few days. Trish Jewison giving us a great aerial shot over Metro Vancouver. This is a shot from Kimberly, the comparison over the last little while. And the last shot that we're showing you is from the Abbotsford Weather Office. And a difference a month makes of what we saw in July. And the bottom, or the bot- bottom photos in July and the above photo is uh, what was taken from today. Temperatures for the interior, Soyuz still up to 30, Kamloops up to 31. Coastal sections for Prince Rupert today up to 20 degrees. Air quality advisory still blanketing the province, stretching in towards the peace and the southeastern corners. We'll continue to see this towards the end of the week. The jet stream, we do have those outflow winds, so the smoke is getting pushed in right across the south coast. It's thinning slightly today and tomorrow will be the best days for the interior. But then there's that shift. We've got a westerly flow. And the winds are going to clear out the smoke or improve it, especially across the south coast. And temperatures are going to bump down slightly. And we are looking at that smoke returning once again, especially towards the southeastern corners. Thursday, Friday will be a concern for interior sections with even the potential or the risk of a thunderstorm. Coastal sections tomorrow up to 17 degrees. Inland bumping up closer to 31 for areas near Smithers. We have local smoke for the Peace, similar for the central interior tomorrow. And there is that smoke right across the interior sections, but tomorrow still a bit of a break in comparison to what you've been seeing. And then it is going to ramp up once again for your Wednesday onwards. Whistler underneath the smoke up to 29 for tomorrow. And along the island and coastal sections, we'll see the smoke widespread and areas near Victoria will still be getting up to around 26 degrees. A transition day will be on our Wednesday. Then Thursday, Friday, it should be fresher for us across the south coast and temperatures getting back into the low 20s. Tonight's weather window, this is a shot taken from the Key in North Vancouver by Kelly and the hazy conditions and that filtered sunshine. Chris? Oh, it's just such creepy shots of that red sun, but... Got the arms up and enjoying it in some places anyway. More now on that dramatic water rescue that was all caught on camera. They just came barreling right through. Security video shows the truck in a parking spot and then you see it crash through a barrier and into the water. It happened at the Long Beach Marina in California over the weekend. As the truck begins to sink, good Samaritans waste no time jumping into action to pull the woman, her son and their dog to safety. Amazingly, no one was injured. Join Global BC at the Fair at the PE. On location with live weather reports, Squires PE stories, or file your own story at the Global BC CKNW News 10. Global News, we are BC's news. Quickly before sports, some breaking news and quick action by West Vancouver firefighters contained a small brush fire near the waterfront in West Bay. The wildfire broke out in the 3300 block of Sunset Lane just before 5 this evening. The flames, as you can tell, burning near the train tracks. West Van firefighters say the blaze is contained, but people are advised to avoid the area as crews mop up. All right, here is Squire now with a look at sports. 
Yes, and uh, I would have to say the Canadian content on the Seattle Seahawks has gone way, way down. Tight end Luke Wilson left for Detroit in the offseason and today, and this is not a surprise, but today longtime punter John Ryan, of course, a Regina guy, was cut. The Seahawks drafted a punter this year, and that's who they're going to keep, a guy named Michael Dixon. So he's in, Ryan's out, but Ryan leaves as one of the most popular Seahawks in the last decade. Despite all the big names and the fact he played a rather anonymous position, the Hawk fans love John Ryan. Very athletic for a punter. Tough guy because he's Canadian. Finished a game once with a broken nose. Had some hard hits too carrying the ball. He tweeted out a big thank you to the Seahawks fans today. He's 36. He might get a call from another team. It's possible. He had been a Seahawks since 2008 playing a franchise record 159 straight games. And of course he won a Super Bowl as well. Losers out, Canada-Mexico Little League World Series. Nate Kalina, that's scoring a run. The kids from Wally are up 1-0 on Mexico. This will not be an easy game. Gio Gama up the middle, that scores a run. 2-0 for Canada in the first inning. Yep, safe. Kai Sheck, who slid in there, now provides a triple. Clearing all the bases. Three-run score. Canada in the second inning goes up 5-0. Who do you play for? Canada. That's right, Kai. That's who you play for. But Mexico fights back. Fernando Lopez with two men on, or two boys on as the case may be. Home run. 6-4. Canada needs pitching and defense. Here's Joey Marino at short. Mexicans threatening, threat over. And then the final out, again, Mexico had two on in the sixth and final inning. Last at bat, Nate Kalina right off the dirt. That's a good out. And Canada will play Puerto Rico tomorrow. Still, it's a win and you're in, lose and you're out scenario for the Canadians. Mustafa Sabedi is a success story of a man whose sport set his entire life on a new path showing him a new country where he and his family could make a home and help his love and expertise of kickboxing and martial arts provide him a living in that new country. At the age of 37, Mustafa Sabeti is a world kickboxing champion. His story is one of determination and the will to succeed, one that began in his homeland of Iran and continued 12 years ago here in Canada when he immigrated to North America. Canada, of course, uh, gave me that opportunity to compete in the higher level with uh, more variety of people and more variety country. And it's given me freedom. I can do whatever I want. I can do whenever I go. I can fight anytime I want. That wasn't the case in Iran. The more Mustafa tried to compete internationally, the more he realized he was fighting a losing battle. As his Iranian passport wasn't welcomed in more than a few countries, that all changed when he first visited Canada during a kickboxing event in 2002. When I came to Canada, I really feel this can be my home. It's very hard at the beginning because cultural difference, language difference, everything is different. But if you put enough effort and engage yourself, and if you want to be part of this beautiful country, you can. Bullied as a child, Mustafa learned how to stand up for himself, work hard, and be a better person through martial arts. Life skills Mustafa and his wife Solmaz brought with them to Canada. When they arrived, they barely spoke English, 
and had a combined $1,000 in their pockets. They now run a thriving gym with over 300 students, aptly called Golden Glory. So Glory is, uh, you cannot start from nothing, but if you put enough effort and uh, hope into it, you can make a very good thing out of it because Glory. And the glory for all of us is welcoming families like the Sabetis to Canada, who just like you and I are proud Canadians who now call Canada home. If you want to be an immigrant, I think Canada is the best country in the world to be a Canadian. Because I have lots of friends who immigrate to other countries. I don't want to name it by details, but around the world, lots of countries, they are immigrants. But nobody can be successful than Canada. Because Canada, as you landed at that point, until you grow yourself in your business, academics, everything is welcoming and helping you. I have to say, I'm Canadian and I'd be proud to be Canadian here too. Coming up on ET Canada, Ben Affleck's new love life and Jennifer Garner's new action movie, plus the best and worst TV reboots this fall. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, thank you, Sangeeta. Well, it's one of the most watched sporting events in the world, and yet the players sometimes don't even have to break a sweat. Vancouver is playing host to Dota 2, the massive esports tournament that attracts millions from around the world with its multi-million dollar prize money. And if you think watching people play video games sounds boring, think again. Jill Bennett has more. From all corners of the earth, they've come. You don't have to fully understand what's happening here. IG is your champion. To understand just how invested these fans are in Dota 2, a multiplayer video game short for Defense of the Ancients. It's such a great adventure just to come here and see all of, like my favorite players. It's kind of like watching, you know, like the Super Bowl or whatever where there's no way you could be that good at football. But if you still like it, it's fun to watch. Petrol Hunt looking for the rebuttal. Here's a quick 101 on this tournament, the largest Dota 2 event. 18 teams from around the world, five players for team. The goal, battle to the opposite side and take down the opponent's ancient for tiers of towers. The second someone comes in range, he just becomes another kill. Becomes Games usually take 30 to 40 minutes, and there's prize money. More than $24 million in the purse. It's a lot of money, especially for first place. You get like $10 million for like coming in. I think the level of strategy, it's phenomenal. You have to think about so many different things at once. Mineski. And while the players and the crowd are predominantly male. It's probably the only place in the world where you don't have to line up for the women's bathroom. <laughs> the event also attracts those into cosplay from as far away as Germany. It's the place to be, basically. It's my first time ever, and it's honestly a dream coming true. It's not just players cashing in. People who started calling games at home are now employed and signing autographs. Basically, when all the fans tune in online or at home, on the telly, or come into the arena, I'm the guy that they hear over the loudspeaker, getting excited about the game, trying to build the hype. Between now and the finals on Saturday, not only will tens of thousands of people watch in Rogers Arena, millions are also expected to follow online. Jill Bennett, Global News.